Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Lone Wolf, Fakes, and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Andrew on the board. S&P Futures down 17. NASDAQ Futures down 72. Right, do we have Professor Lou? Good morning, sir. Um, what's up, man? Uh, so we had a, uh, a first-of-a-kind uh, weather condition here yesterday in Denver, and it had quite an impact. Uh, how could a, it be first-of-a-kind? You know, no, no, I don't, may, and maybe it's because it was a first of a, the first-of-its-kind because the National Weather Service hasn't been doing this, but we had a snow squall warning. Um, and, what uh, is that? But, well, so... We were we were supposed to get some snow here. We had a precipitous temperature drop. So we were supposed to get some. We were supposed to get some snow, uh, you know, couple, maybe an inch or two, which is is nothing. I mean, it's been warm; it would melt. But it came. And actually, we got less than that. But it came in the form of a, a, a line of like a thunderstorm line that dropped, you know, snow at the rate of like five inches an hour over the course of about. 15 to 45 minutes and it it completely whited out parts of the uh, you know the city it shut down operations at Denver Airport for two hours I mean they put a ground stop at Denver Airport because the air nobody could see um, it caused a, a significant traffic accident pile up on the road out to the airport um, and uh, you know I, I was just it was coming down like mad and we all well, kind of looked at it and I went, what the, what the heck? And then I saw on my computer, you know, snow squall warning for Denver. Well, it's actually was a, uh, was a thunderstorm intensity with snow. Um, something like that. Yeah. Except, except, you know, this had, this had 50 mile an hour winds associated with it and a bunch of other stuff. So it, in any event, the National Weather Service is now issuing snow squall warnings. It was the first time Denver ever had anything like this. And as it turns out, it was, it was an appropriate warning to issue because nobody, you know, people people ran off the road and, as I said, it shut the airport. They put a ground stop at the airport for two hours. They had 500 flights delayed all of a sudden. And I realized that O'Hare, you know, 500 flights delayed is a normal day. But here it was significant. If you have a, a, significant a, hit. Some, a you know, nasty thunderstorm here, I mean, the rain comes down so hard for... For a certain period, you hope it doesn't last longer, or else you get like, so well, much. Didn't you guys? Didn't you guys have something like tornado tornado go through your northwest suburbs? No, uh, there were, there was some circular movement. Yeah, there was there was some sightings. There was warnings all night. I mean, we dropped from like seventy down to you know twenty eight, and we're you know, not very long. 
And, so uh, it was a warm it was a warm day in February in Chicago. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And uh, but you know, by saying the idea being is is when when thunderstorms come through like that, it's not all that unusual to get one that is that it was amazingly hard if you're outside for a second. It's like being in the shower. Well, if it happens to be, if it happens to duck under thirty two before that happens, I don't see why the yeah. snow won't come down as hard. Yeah, if there's that much moisture in the air. Well, I, in any event, I. You know they were they were reporting it yesterday as as our weather people now do somewhat breathlessly you know the yeah, first oh yeah. snow squall warning for for denver global, was, global uh, warming of course you know i'm i'm sure i'm sure climate change was in somebody's yeah. some on somebody's lips but anyway it's just it was an interesting interesting thing to to watch and i had not seen a snow squall warning before anywhere but as it turned out it was kind of a nice thing to have put out. They, if you looked at the radar, I mean, what you what you saw was what you know looked like very much like a derecho or or you know line of thunderstorms, narrow band, lots of moisture, you know, in there and uh, moving moving pretty quickly. So it was well, a mess. Our buddy uh, <laughs> Carl called in yesterday. He I think he believe he, I believe he's out at Wolf Creek. Yes, I heard that. I heard that part of the interview. And he and, was said uh, it was so snowing so hard you couldn't ski. Yeah, uh, oh, I've been I've been up at at Breck and Copper and Cooper and a few other places up here where where I've had that happen where it's coming down so so heavily that you can't it's not safe you know I mean unless you're you know unless you're one of those guys in those skiing videos you know that drop off the sides of cliffs into snowdrifts and stuff unless you're one of those guys it's not safe to be out there just remember the only your skis have to see the ground you don't your legs should just take that's, care of it that's right yeah yeah i've i've heard that i've heard that and I, it's ridiculous <laughs> if i can't <laughs> see the ground i'm not going yeah just well the, the air's white the sky's white the ground's white everything's white that's when yep. you need a good pair of goggles. That they, at least if they're yellow or something, they'll take a little bit out of there. Yeah, that I hate. I hate those days where you get that that monochrome uh, sky. The um, the I wanted to start with a, a sort of an economic discussion that works into you know national defense. Um, I don't know if you saw the story yesterday, but it was announced that the Houthis apparently have cut a number of undersea cables. That run around the the uh, Arabian Peninsula there by the Horn of Africa, and have effectively shut off huge swaths of um, Europe and you know the Arab countries from uh, from from internet service or, or have greatly damaged internet service uh, between those uh, between those areas. And, and hey, before I, you before you. Who the hell are these guys? Well, I mean, the, the the place they live in is a mess. They can't find anybody to fight there. They don't care about Jewish people. Why would they? Is this all? Is this all for money? Are they just mercenaries? What? I mean, what? What is their motivation? Well, I mean, part of their motivation is that they're Islamic crazies. They are well, the usual the, guy with the with the robe and the beard and the gun in the ear yeah, and the total I mean, pickup that, truck. Yeah, that that's part of it. And and then and then they are in. Um, you know they're enthralled to Iran, which is controlling their. Which is hilarious because, as I understand it, the Houthis are Arabs and the Iranians are Persians, and they have different varieties of Islam. But but they all hate the West. They all view. They all hate the Saudis. Both sides hate the Saudis. Why? The why? Just because of the different type of Muslim. 
part of it is part of it because of, of uh, the Sunni versus Shia Muslim issue, but the main reason I think is because the Iranians are a rising power broker in that area, and they want to eliminate Saudi Arabia, which has been the the, the principal power air power among Muslims in that in that region, and the Iranians want them want them out of the picture, so they are funding. And, and they're using, you know, they're using Israel and, and the traditional anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic aspects of Islam. With anti-West, anything anybody enjoys doing, you're not supposed to do. It 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 is, you know, I mean, that's a huge part of it. That's a motivating. That's a motivating part of it. But they are so so they are you know available and and you know they've been fighting a civil war in Yemen forever. Well, what is their it's, home? How, does that, I mean, does anybody have a job there? I mean, is, what do the women do all day? I mean, it, uh, their their job. I don't know what the women. I don't know what the women do all day. The 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 men. The men, at least for the Houthis, are are engaged in terrorism and attacks. And, and they get and they get paid uh, for this by the Iranians allegedly. Of course, yeah. This is this is why, chief. This is why, when the Biden people released all that money, to to Iran, we were all going, don't don't do this. You know that's in cash. Don't do this. It 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 it's going to go straight to these guys, and it did. It went straight. It went straight to Yemen. It went straight to uh, Hezbollah in uh, southern uh, Lebanon. But, but Iran's broke too. What I mean? No, they're not. They're, they're they're we we took the sanctions off them for for their oil uh, sales. They, they they went from like four billion a month to sixty five billion a month. In terms of, of oil the, revenue, the, our, our allies are people that are allegedly buying it. They're going to buy it anyway, with sanctions or no. Uh, so what? What does that have to do with it? We lifted the sanctions. They weren't getting the money. We know that. How do we? Uh, how do we know allies, that? Uh, because we we track we were tracking the money very. But I mean, I, I mean, not to be. I don't. I don't trust any of these these right wing things that I get from people. They're, this is not a right. This is not a right wing thing. This was something reported. This has been reported in the New York Times. They still can't. So, they're still not is part that of the left Sw- enough. But That's pretty left. But they're still not in the Swift network, right? They they have to. Oh, have, I mean, how, the Iranians. Yeah. That doesn't. That doesn't mean I, I don't. I think we did allow them into the Swift network. But even if we didn't, it doesn't matter. We can still track it. Why well, do? You, we can right. track their money and track what they're doing with it. We and we know. We know. We know. How much they're they're selling right now, right, and they're right. they're clearing right, start, they were start, clearing start. all that money. They were, and, and I'm I am going to blame the Biden administration again because they are they have very highly placed pro Iranian assets and pro Iranian agents uh, in the in the State Department and in the in the Pentagon. Uh, I'm well, just I'm because just, just because you Biden just because you take people. a different view from of somebody doesn't make you. I mean, I I might this try. Is not, this Tom, this is not that. This is this is these are people who are promoting Iran's what, interests. I guess my question: Why would why would anybody here, anybody, even if you're the biggest lefty on earth, why would you promote Iran's interests? I, I I all I can say is that that the Obama people did this when they were in, in office. They were they were focused on trying to cut a deal with Iran. Well, that 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 I, part I get. The, Right. The Biden, the Biden people are in the same boat. They're the same people. Yeah. So they don't, they don't, they're they're pursuing that same aspect of foreign policy. And well, I'm not sure. I, you know, when I say when I say Biden did this, uh, you know, he's he's a mental defective. I'm pretty sure he didn't do it. I'm pretty sure these are just people underneath him saying, Mr. President, this would be a good idea. 
here, have another scoop of ice cream. Well, I mean, um, I guess what yeah. I'm saying is, is I don't, I don't, there, there are several ways to deal with this. I, I for one, by the oh, way, well, I, let's, I, let's I, go back. Let's wait go a minute, back I, happen, I happen to be agreeing with you. The, my, okay. But the part I don't get is that if, if I'm there and somebody says, look, we can either, uh, here's here's what we can do with these guys. A, nuke them. Okay, well, we're probably not going to do that. Are, are we talking about with these guys? The Meaning Iranians, Iran. The Houthis? Yeah, Iranian. Well, if, if, all, okay. if all evil's coming from Iran, I think that's where you got to start. So, okay, we, we or we can maybe cut some kind of a deal with them, hope that in 10 years the people there overthrow them because they sure as hell hate them. Uh, why would you? Why no? Why would you cut a deal with them? You know, I, this is the okay. We, we the cut a, we cut a deal with Russia on Salt One when we hated them. Didn't didn't yeah, make but, us but, Russian sympathizers. But this is not the same culture, and we've been talking about trying to cut deals. You know, we've been looking. I go back. This will be a horrible thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. We, we, let's go back to the moderate Arab, you know, the moderate uh, elements within the Iranian government, and I I happen to aside with whoever it was back in the 80s who said moderate the moderate elements in, in you know in Islamic theocracy are simply those people who haven't found a secure enough cache of explosives to use yet I, that's, I, that's, I, that's the bit what I'm saying is I think, I think we're arguing about I don't as much as I thought it, it was fraught with you know uh, defeat all over it I don't really hold Against Trump for trying to talk to the guy in, in North Korea, it turns out no, the guy was I, not is not, I, I, is not you and, know. I, and if and if we were if that if that's what we were doing with some kind of fruitful approach, I would say great. But we've been doing that for. What, I, I think they should have figured now? out by now that that's not going to happen. Yes, so I'm so, with you on that. That's, I'm, I'm getting so, I'm getting to the point so where so I agree me, with you. But I'm saying is you can't somebody who tries it doesn't make him a an Iranian sympathizer. No, well, no, but that's not what I'm saying. Um, the so the the the, the hit. Uh, I, I mean, how do you how do you deal with what the Houthis are doing? I I can't really imagine that the international community. This is this is and this is you know the, these are these are chickens coming home to roost right now for the Europeans. They have been hiding under our skirts with respect to defense and and uh, all the associated aspects of it since you know the the fifties. Which we and, and which we wanted, not, which we wanted. We didn't really want no, them in no, charge. No, we did not want. We did not want that. We we have been asking them to put that two percent into into NATO. We have been telling them, and, and you know, this was the this was the great thing. I think one of the smart things Donald Trump said. There aren't very many, but this is one of the smart things Donald Trump said when he mouthed off about NATO during his during his term in office. He was absolutely right. But he also and has he, he did it in a way. Where all the stupid Americans that believe everything the guy says man, uh, not, are convinced I, these I'm people not, owe they, gonna, they, they think they owe us money. That they, that's not, the way he I'm said gonna, it. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to get into that because I. I don't. I don't know. I do know. I do know that the European community has funded its social welfare system on our backs because we've been defending them and we've been pumping megabucks into the defense since the '60s to protect Europe. I, now. Huge part of that was in our interest, and I get it. But, you know, we have been talking to them since the 90s, since the Soviet Union fell. They have to start picking up more of this, and they won't. Well, they you know, sure as hell I'm, have the last three or four years. Their numbers no, they are up, haven't. Their, their numbers you know are up huge. You know how many operational main battle tanks the, 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 uh, 
British Army has? Less than 150. Do you know how many operational fighter aircraft the German the Luftwaffe has? Less than 100. They, 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 they've done a terrible job on this. Well, I'm saying in the last three or four years, a lot of the countries are now doing more than the 2%. You know, where, you, know where that's, you know where that's happening? It's happening in Eastern Europe, the brand new NATO members. And that's because yeah, they've, yeah. they've watched what's going on in Russia. What's happening right now with the Houthis is, you know, it, the, we, we, those undersea cables don't affect us. The, the shipping through the Red Sea doesn't really affect us that much. We ship most of our stuff across the Pacific or across the Atlantic. This is all Europe. And, and we're out there trying to trying to defend, which which should be, by the way, the, the, the actions of these people, the Houthis, should provoke an immediate international response because they're pirates. I'm, I'm, you are, you're preaching the choir. I'm with you. And all, all my point is, okay. listen, so I, the, I, the, I just the, went through all these numbers and, they're, and they're, how much they're coming up with the 2%. Like, well, by the way, you know, we're, we're under 3% here. So it's not like we're 10%. I'm not saying no, we should be any more, but, but no, our our GDP. We've we're we're we have reaped the peace dividend. We have we have stopped spending on defense at yeah. the same level, and in the face, I might add, of an undeniable provocation that's been building since the since the mid-teens. Well, we've got we got Russia, which is sure as hell an enemy. We've got Iran, which is an absolute pain in the ass enemy, and we've got China, which has which has got more money and they're an enemy. So we got problems, and we better have. You know, I'm with you. We better have these European guys. Realizing that these are problems and helping us out, or, or we're all in trouble. Uh, am I right? Trying, That's what you're saying, so, I think. Yeah, it is. So, so, in any event, my, my point is, from the European perspective, they're looking around saying, "Wait a minute, our shipping's blocked. Um, we we suddenly lose these data connections. Where where is the where's the response from our from our power structure?" And the short answer is, they don't have one. Because they can't muster the assets, the simple, you know, putting boats on the in the water, aircraft in the air, they can't do it. And and we've, you know, we're doing what we can out there, but, you know, my, I mean, my response is the first thing we ought to be doing, as I said, is sinking the Iranian intelligence ships that are that are providing targeting information to the to the Houthis. Um, there ought to be a much more aggressive bombing campaign. In, in South Yemen to take these guys down, essentially, you know, raising the cost to them, but but that's hard to do, and and we it's, have it's some a half a world it, away. It's, it's, that's right. We have it, but we are, Tom, we are for better or worse the only Western country. I mean, the Chinese aren't going to put aren't going to come in there and say, hey, can we help you out? They're, they're, no. Their ships aren't their ships aren't being attacked. Well, and you know how the Houthis the history know. Of this, the history of this, though, is that you and I know that if, I think we both know, that if all of a sudden in 1961 Germany was going to say, we're going we're, we're gonna to build 4,000 battle tanks, we'd have, been, we'd have said, you're going to do what? Tom, in, the 19, in 1963 or 64, we were about to give the Bundeswehr control of nuclear weapons. Now, it, it stopped... Uh, there's a great, there's a great. You know who Tom Lehrer is? Remember the guy who used to sing uh, yeah. parody songs? Why do I know that name? A minute. Uh, well, he 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 was on. This was the year that was. But he's got some of the funniest music that that you'll ever listen to. His parody, his parody songs. He wrote a great parody song about about how smart it was to give in the 1960s to give the Germans 
you know, control of nuclear weapons. But we were talking about doing that. We, we, you know, we the competition we had with with uh, BAE and and uh, Airbus and the others what was was actually a positive for our defense industry, and it it greatly multiplied the problems of the Soviets in terms of in terms of what they had to prepare for if they were to invade NATO. We, we and we've been and regardless, you know, we've been pushing NATO since the 90s. Okay, guys. There's absolutely no the, the the Soviet threat is gone. Let's start let's start making some gradual increases in your defense budget so that you don't get caught with your pants down the next time something rolls around. Well, something's rolled around. Yep. You know what? Their pants are still around their ankles. Well, I mean, look at Japan. I mean, some of us would yep. say, "Gee, I mean, if if they would have started arming up in the '60s or '70s." But now we sit around and go, hey, these guys used to be pretty tough. How come they're not helping us with China? They got nothing. Japan Japan is actually, okay, so two things. The Japanese is slightly different. We actually rewrote the Japanese constitution to make it so that they couldn't rearm. Right. At least not with the weapon systems that we want. So that we had a much more direct hand in, in what their defense structure looked like. That was number one. Number two, you do not have the kind of integrated land issues uh surrounding Japan that you do in Europe and, and, and the associated comfort factor. You know, the, the for better or worse, everybody looked around at Germany and said, okay, well, yeah, you know, they're they're a bunch of, you know, goose-step marching, sauerkraut-eating guys, but but we know who they are. The Japanese scared the living daylights out of everybody in, in the Pacific theater. And, and so we were very careful with them. But, you know, the Japanese also let us forward base huge amounts of equipment on on Japanese on Japanese territory. Now and we still uh, have it, right? Most of it. And they've we've moved a lot of that we've moved a lot of that stuff away, Tom, because of the proximity to China. Now what's happening right now in Japan and what has been happening for the last fifteen years is the Japanese have looked around. They've they have been much more frightened by China up front than we were. And, and well, so they know they the Chinese started, hate them, and, well, and with good exactly, reason, by the way. That's that's yeah. exactly right. And so they have been they have been arming up. Um, they have some very capable stuff. Not not a ton of it, but but enough that if they were to throw it into the fight against China, it would make a difference. The Australians and have too, right? The Australians are are in the process of ramping up, but they don't have you know they they don't have the population base that we do or Japan that Japan does. So, so well, who's, who's buying some submarines from the other? One of them is making them for the other, right? Uh, the Australians are—I mean, they were buying subs from France. They've now shifted over to buy stuff from us. Um, so I thought but, somebody was buying them from Japan, and somebody or, or the Japanese were buying them from Australia. One of the one of the two's were happening. The, the the Japanese are are producing submarines. I just don't know. I don't know whether they've actually sold some of them to the Australians or not. But 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 in any event. Um, to, to go back to the original issue of what's going on with the with the Houthis, they're almost they're almost like you know your your three year old, who who says I'm going to break this, and if you don't pay enough attention to me, then I'm going to break break this. Well, they look they look just like the guys who were doing it in Syria for five years before that. Exactly, exactly. So so I think I think we're going to have to make you know some moves, but but who's going to do it? It's going to have to be us. The Europeans aren't capable of doing it. And and I'm I'm beginning to think, but there's no that, there's no stomach here for fighting everybody either. Well, I, I, but but 
you know, these guys, this is not, this is not a, um, an attack on necessarily us as much as it is an attack on Western democracy, Western interests, and, and the Western economic order that has raised the living standards of billions of people around the world over the last 60 years. That's what this is an attack on. These guys, the, I, I mean, I, I saw some comedian talking on what, YouTube. What if, what if you, if you have this conversation with, um, I mean, when, when, I, when I joust with you, I'm, I'm trying to drag out all the knowledge you have. It's not like I'm arguing, you know that. This ought to uh, take two seconds. Well, <laughs> well, I'm saying, but if you have this, I was in front of a, Kevin's class last night, and I guess you were last week or something. You, you had just been there a couple there. weeks ago, yeah. Um, by the way, they loved you. Uh, that's what they were saying last night. Uh, the um, they don't have any. I don't think. I don't think many of them have any of this. Not, I'm not putting them down at all. They're sort of unclear as to why exactly I should go over and fight in, in Yemen. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I don't. I don't think it's clear at all to, to them or most of the people. What are we doing over there? Well, who are these guys? I mean, it's. I mean, I, I don't know if the if the if the if there's no more U.S. News and World Report or time where people read this 20-page summary of the history of the whole area, we actually get some kind of a feel. I mean, somehow or other, people have just bits and pieces of information. That's why I love it when you come in or Mike, because I get I get more info. Otherwise, where well, the hell am okay, I going to get so, it? So, you know, you know whose job it is to stand up and tell people this is why we're doing this. Uh, it should be the president. Exactly. Do you think this president with his ice cream cone? Jeez, and what a what a what an unbelievably stupid image that was yesterday, and I don't know why his people ever allowed those pictures to be taken. His, his people are, yeah. are, are wacky. This doddering old man with an ice cream cone in his hand, and I when I say you know when I, when I say doddering, I mean doddering. Well, it's one thing if, if a guy like you goes out jogging, pulls up to the ice cream place, and buys ice cream for three or four kids and have an ice cream cone. That's a manly thing to do. <laughs> yesterday wasn't that. No, no. I, I, I imagine, imagine you know, you're the average Chinese, you know, general, looking at looking at America, and you see this, and then you see some of the other stuff that's going on with within DOD on this transgender stuff oh, yeah, and DEI, yeah. and you say to yourself, you know what, uh, I'm not, I'm not really worried too much about these guys. That 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 image yesterday was terrible. In any event, this is the president's job. Joe Biden ought to be ought to be up in front of people saying, "Let me let me articulate what what we're doing here." But, but the now, president, the president, explained, according, according to who? According to you and me? Yes, according well, to uh, well, according to according to anybody? No, according this to his role. According to big corporations, it's supposed to be to make life good for us, and we don't care. No, no, but but it, but the president, the you know, the executive branch, it has un, under the Constitution total control over our foreign I, I, policy. I understand it, but if if how can I, how can this I is his it? role. But if 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 the world was right, neither one of these two guys would be running for alderman, let alone president. Oh, don't don't. Oh, I was just about to say, this is this is what President Biden should be doing, and he's he's not just not doing it; he's incapable of it. I'm not. I have, I have absolutely no doubt that Mr. Trump is totally incapable of doing this as well, but for completely different right, reasons. Right, completely different reasons. So the question is, how, how, how are they there? Who, who is putting them there? Who, when, when somebody says they might want to run 
and every newspaper in the world, left and right, starts saying what an ass the guy is or the lady is. I mean, who, who exactly is in charge? Lou? I'm, it's, it, I'm, I'm pretty afraid about well, it. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who's. In, well, I mean, in the Republican Party, I'll tell you who's in charge. It's. It. It is. And and I'm. I firmly believe this. It's the elements that surround you know Mr. Trump and and back him. And and you, if you walk into any election, any any primary over the you know within the last what year and a half, any public opinion poll. There is a 30 to 40 percent of the Republican electorate, and that's more than enough, that is just absolutely committed to this guy under any circumstances because they believe in him. And it and it's is it a cult? I hesitate to call it a cult, but it's pretty close. It's real um, close, and I, I don't understand how. They interviewed some lady from Carolina. She sounded young. I just love the man. What you do? What? The man's disgusting. It, it it's, but but it has to do with, it has to do with the fact, and, and you and I have talked about this. It has to do with the fact that he is tapped into, a a crucial. Sure, he has. You no know, element. He understands the, he, how, to a certain extent, but the weird part is, is is people just because he's tapped in, to somebody's hard times, which I think he has. Uh, and that's you know the guy who did the uh, what's his name who makes those crazy uh, the, the allegedly liberal guy that makes all those crazy films and stuff that everybody hates. Uh, he did a thing. Michael Moore. Yeah, I mean he, he he absolutely before the election when Trump oh, won. Oh, oh yeah, but 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 uh, what I'm saying I mean but but Trump has tapped into this. But if you talk to somebody and they say, well, he's going to help me out. He he sees my issues. Tom. Tom but the man the man has done nothing but screw the middle class since he was born. Tom, this is not. This is why this this cult of the personality is is problematic. This is not based on any kind of rational assessment. This is based on an emotional link to a to to a guy. And 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 frankly, there are more people flocking to him now because of what's happening to him in New York and Atlanta and, and Florida, who are looking at this saying, "I don't know what exactly what this guy." stands for or or exactly what he's going to do but I do know that the people I hate the power structure I hate the power structure that has abandoned me is going after him tooth and nail and and they're doing it in an unfair and I think unconstitutional way so whatever it is I'm going to go for him well I don't he's scaring the bejesus out of those guys well you you know for sure, and you, you've heard you should, me say you're, before. You're from the South Side of Chicago. You have to understand that. Well, what you, I was just going to say, I understand that totally. That the, <laughs> the fact that any that any person in this country is forced to run up a fifty million dollar legal bill by our government is egregious to me, even if it's him. Well, well, I, I, it, I don't I, just yeah. because I don't like the guy doesn't mean I want him harmed anymore. He's still a citizen. But, he still gets rights. That, that's right. But but that's as we said. That is you know that's a huge part of the. Of the attraction, and you know that. Well, he's okay. I, 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 I the, the part that I don't get with people is I understand that, and if and if I was president tomorrow, I'd call off the dogs everywhere on the guy. Okay, I mean, but that that you don't reward somebody who people are going after. The reward is not the presidency. Uh, I'm just I'm just telling you this. You know this. Oh, I know. We, we're 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 talking hearts, the same that, subject. We're the same where, subject. Yeah. Not more the question. I guess where I started with. I absolutely I absolutely agree. I absolutely 
I was I was a Ron DeSantis backer. I I would back if if, if Nikki Haley comes around, I would probably back her over over the current occupant. I, w- I would vote I would for any decent Republican over this guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there's any question about that. But but the you know the issue is, and and if you're if you're a Democrat, and I'm, I mean I'm not I'm still not convinced it's going to be Biden in November. I'm not either. I don't. If, I'm not convinced it's going to be either one of them. But that's but another if, story. But if you're but if you're a Democrat, you know a, a rational Democrat. And you're looking around, you see that picture of that idiot with the ice cream cone yesterday, and you go to yourself, like we 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 gotta have somebody other than this guy. Well, the, uh, this is ridiculous. And my my Cora yesterday, they asked sort of the same. My Cora, the thing. So, I get. so let me let me ask well, you. Let me, this, just, want, let me no, finish no, no, this, no, 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 before you before you track right. off, what is the attraction to Joe for Joe Biden? Because I have my Democratic friends who are defending him with cult with Trump. I can understand that. So there's this religious fervor. He's the underdog. He's being unfairly attacked. I can at least get my mind around that. What is the support for Joe Biden? Um, the only support is on? that he that he's there. A, a change they think would be the wrong thing, and I think they might be wrong. Plus, they they there's no they have any idea what to do with Kamala Harris because she, if you had a vibrant, good vice president, now would be the time to run them instead of him. She's not the person. So how the hell do you get rid of her? And, and well, so well, I mean, that's, that's a great, you know, that's a great, a great point. Where, how did, how did we end up, how did we end up with, with three of the absolute worst choices that are, that should be totally unpalatable to, to any rational person. So now go to your anecdote. Well, I'm, I'm saying the, the, the was a real light thing in the Quora part was, uh, they said, why does, they said, why, why do we have these two guys running for president? And why don't regular people, why doesn't somebody better want to run? And the guy's answer, and again, this is very light. This is just a piece of the problem. He talked about Clinton for a Super Bowl game when he was in office, invited a bunch of guys from Congress over to the White House to watch the game. And so they're all watching the game, and after the game, a bunch of guys go, hey, there's a great sports bar across the street, let's head over there. And Clinton goes, well, I can't go. I mean, nobody nobody wants to be in prison for, for four years. I mean, I don't know how we can... Fix that or something. Nobody, nobody wants you and I. Well, you could. I, I probably can't. We can name. If, if you just want to be nice about it and not say it's the money behind it. Uh, I mean, well, Lou, you and I were talking antitrust and stuff to people. If if somebody were to, were to get on the campaign trail right now and talk about antitrust and what Microsoft has done to you, what the what the hospital and prescription drug industry has done to you. You wouldn't have a chance. The money from those people would kick you. They'd, they'd have you sleep with women you only dreamed to sleep with, right? <laughs> Somehow, no, some they they'd have me they'd have me uh, sleeping with Jacqueline Bissett when I ever met the lady. And I would love to have slept with her when I was younger. But now there, now <laughs> yeah. there's a name from the past. Well, I'm saying they they would they would have had me w- doing all kinds of stuff that maybe I wished I could have done, but I never did. But somehow or another, the the money sect. It loves the fact that neither one of these buffoons is going to come after what they hold sacred. Now, whether or not a multinational cares about the U.S. in the end, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they. Maybe you're right. Maybe they actually care more about getting business out of Iran than they do about us messing with them. So, somehow, somehow, what you're saying is absolutely correct. This stuff does not hang together Some, somehow. It doesn't make cognitive sense that we're doing this, 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 and this. Now, the question is, who the hell is really running the place? Neither one of these guys is going to. Trump didn't do anything 
anything that he said he was going to do when he was in office, except lower taxes because those are the guys that put him in there. And oh, by the way, we're still having a real problem with that because the estimates they said on the lower taxes didn't come true at all. It's costing a fortune. Well, well that that's because... I mean, I say that's because. I, I think in large part that's because Mr. Trump's mouth engages and, and he thinks that's enough. You know, I mean, his entire life has been has been a lot of talk. Now, he's, he's, they've accomplished, he's accomplished some business stuff, but, but I mean, I, I just, he just doesn't have what I consider to be the understanding of, of what it, you know, what it takes to pull stuff through and he doesn't have the focus well what I'm saying but, but Lou the, 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 the bottom line from the last eight years is that the middle class through the inflation through the through the more uh, through the less deductibility of taxes in other places that are going up through I mean you know and other some people on the show will say look he, he raised the the standard deduction okay he did but that's been totally overrun now by the idea of local taxes by the fact that some people who are making forty grand and, may, and paying twelve percent are now the same forty is worth fifty-five, and oh by the way, now you're paying twenty-two percent or whatever double. I mean, the the entire middle class and lower class has been run over by taxation, and yet corporations are paying twenty-one percent when you're paying thirty-nine, and oh by the way, they're not even paying that, and the company's broke. Now, who could possibly have orchestrated that except them? And, 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 and no, no, none of us would have done that. Wait a minute. I, I, I think. Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's a, it's a them, uh, uh, at least not in a coordinated sense. But, but in any event, I, I, I this, the, the fact that we have these two guys as our, as our presidential candidate, what are we, eight months out from the election, yeah. is, is absolutely appalling. But look, if you were and, to run, that's, if you were to run for that. If you were to run for representative in in southwest Colorado where nobody's there except a bunch of ski bums and ranchers, not, not putting anybody down there. I love southwest Colorado. If you were to run for and you were to come up and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna really be a, a champion of antitrust, I'm gonna come after these prescription drug people, and oh by the way, I actually do believe that because of the Sherman Act says this is these are criminal offenses, they're not gonna be done by the FTC where if you made forty billion dollars on and illegal activities, the fine will be won and everybody's going to be happy. If you actually say you're going to put people in jail, the money that's going to come flying into southwest Colorado, which nobody cares about, from the big firms for your opponent are, is going to be dramatic, and you're going to lose. That's well, wrong. I, I, I mean, it, I think it'll probably be even more dramatic than that. You will not get money to run. And, and, and that Which really doesn't, doesn't is, mean in, in some areas really you can't win. Some really areas you can still the win. Driving force, but I mean there are, there are areas in this country where if you have a decent enough personality, you can win. I mean, uh, uh, Jesse's kid had the name. Plus, he got a million and a half dollars from uh, the guy who was going to jail, Bankman Freed, and, and and ended up beating the lady who was on the show here a couple times. He has no more business meeting her than 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 I do beating Babe Ruth. I mean, she's smarter, nicer, no, no comparison, and actually gives a crap about other people, and he doesn't. Yet he's in but, there because he's but, got the dough from some other place. All right. So, but she so almost, let, but she me, almost won. She might have. Yeah. She could have. Let, let, let me throw out. Let me just throw out another another issue for us because there has been no challenger to Biden. There have been several highly competent, well-spoken challengers to Trump, and they got and who were well-funded, 
and they got zero traction. Well, they got zero traction. They got zero traction. I'm not a big fan of that guy, but they got zero traction in the primary because only 20% of the people vote in the primary. That's, our system is broken, Lou. You know but, that. But, but well, I, you know, no, I, I, it, I think I think it's more fundamental, more fundamental than this, and it and it goes back to the same thing that we saw in 2016, Tom. The Republicans had a very deep bench in 2016. Governors, senators, people—I mean, people who could who could address these issues intelligently and thoughtfully—and they all crashed and burned in the face of of DT of the Donald. Okay, well, I guess and, I mean, this and, is and what so what I mean. What I mean by and what I mean is the public support for Trump, the voter support, mobilizes those people. Come out, they vote. Uh, they're, they're, in some respects, they have an incredibly moronic worldview, but but they are there. They're voting, and he is the guy that most of the Republican Party wants. Well, and so he's going to be the nominee. The uh, what am I hearing in the this background? Is my, <laughs> this is Dan Janinas, who's supposed to be on after you calling me. I don't know why he's doing that. Andrew, why don't you oh. find out what, what, what Dan's up to? Uh, I don't. I don't. I guess what what the what I'm I saying thought it was some weird sound effect no, we were adding no, as I was talking about the the but I'm, party. But going I guess down. what I'm saying, Louis, somehow or another, the, this is the part I go into. You, you know more about these people than I do. Okay, I, I always admit that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. But I. But the number. The numbers have changed. It, it used to be that if if you're Bill Clinton running against you know whoever he ran against. Uh, but you 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 go to the twenty percent of the party that always is inflamed about something or somebody. You you get money from them, and then you scurry back to where the sixty percent in the middle is really what decides the election. Somehow or another, that has all changed. It's really changed here in Chicago, because now uh, you you have this eight nine people run. Like this this guy ran because he he's he's a consultant for the teachers union for God's sake. So the teachers' union show up, and, and they, they're working the polls for the guy. Now, whether he's still getting paid by them or not, I don't know. I have a feeling it would be illegal if he was, but I don't know that either. Uh, the guy is, is as much... He has as much capability of being mayor as I do being a jockey. I mean, in terms of knowing... I mean, he has never run anything. What did John Cash say? Yes, he's under stress. It's his first job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm, I guess where I'm going with this is the election process is... Eight, nine, seven, ten, however many people run, the guy needs ninety-five thousand votes to get, and he's coming with the with the backing of a huge union. Twenty-five, thirty percent of the people show up to vote. By the way, ten percent of them are teachers or something, and uh, that's probably high. But I mean, all of a sudden, the, the voting dynamic has is is nothing like, you know, the the people who wrote the Constitution. Is about the, the the election I'm talking about. Karen Reeves and Jesse Jackson's kid. And there was a bunch of there were nine people in that election. Uh, when they're, they're running around working their, their tail off for six months before trying to get money, doing meetings every night, every day. I mean, they're all and, and they had no, nothing could could have been more out in the open. And they I don't even think they got thirty percent. So if if you can get this crazed ten or fifteen percent. Nobody, if you can, if you can deliver that on day one, nobody is willing to fight you. First, those people are going to fight you and make it bad for you. But nobody cares about the, the 
now it's if Biden shows up with his 25 percent and Trump with his 25, they're they're just they're going to split the middle because you nobody you got nobody else to vote for. It, it's a whole different dynamic, and I, and I don't know why it's changed. I mean, I, but do you agree with me that it has changed? I, mean, I don't know why it's changed, but it has. Oh, I, I think I, I think it has. I, I think I think for one thing, um, you've got you've got a, a significant mobilization effort in certain segments of the population for low information voters that that would back in the day didn't vote, and and you know that, which was actually a good thing. Um, and so, you know, their choices, their choices weren't, or their, their ballots weren't, weren't being counted. So that, that's one aspect of it. Um, and, and, you know, the, I, I, I don't have an answer for what happened in Chicago. The fact that you had a guy like Paul Vallis, who was relatively moderate, rational, and, and actually could intelligently talk about the issues rather than talking in, um, you know, woke speak sound bites and, and who sounded, who sent, you know, who, who actually had some pub, a lot of public policy experience as opposed to, you know, Brandon uh, is in, incredible to me because, because Chicago was not in great shape. There's Dan coming in right now because Chicago was not in great shape and, and anybody could see that. And this guy, this guy was basically promising more of the idiotic same. And yet, you know, the city voted for him. You, well, you got like the government you the deserve. People, people that are on, on the dole vote. As to why other people don't, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, when you, you know, if you were here, I know you're not, you know, you're not a big boozer. I mean, hopefully none of my friends are me. But if we're out two, three nights a week sitting around a table and there's eight guys sitting there, literally there isn't one of us that feels like he can vote for either one of these people. I hope the libertarian guy's decent, or RFK runs in the state. I'll vote for him. But I mean, the, there isn't a soul the, in, in moderate Republicans, moderate Democrats, which used to be sixty-five percent of the population, really have nobody to vote for. No, which is no, which is I, pretty I, scary. I, I, yeah, well, it's it's this is some of the this is some of the institutional capture that that has been happening with you know over the last thirty years or so. That has moved us, and again, social media and the and the the instantaneous access to information and persuasive types of information, I think, has effectively polarized a huge portion of the population. That drives us to one side of the of the political scale or the other. Well, and, and you and have the, you have the, uh... you know, the people the people the people in the middle who say, "Wait a minute, take a deep breath. Let's talk about what is actually happening here and and where you know where we can make a difference." That those voices get drowned out in the we got to do something now. Well, you also get because of the the vitriolic press on both sides. You have very intelligent people. I mean, for instance, everybody. If you were to interview anybody on the street, they will tell you that this administration is absolutely so anti-oil, anti-fossil fuels, blah blah blah. And because well, they said that. Okay, I, and right, I, I would say they said that now. What, now, when Trump ran for office, he had a big thing about big companies and antitrust or something. The second he won, it came off his website. That was one of his goals, and he never did anything about it. Now, this guy, we're pumping more oil than we ever have. So the idea that that, that his, his, he's he's talking one way to 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 
put salve on that part of the party that, that hates fossil fuels. Fact is, we're, we're, we're going balls out. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, and then, then somebody will say, what about federal lands? Okay, fine. I'm not, actually, somebody on the show. What about federal lands? He cut back on some of the, the drilling on federal lands. First of all, I, I went did a research on this. That's one thing you could do. You and I could be president tomorrow, and we could cut out half the federal lands. There's yep. 22 gazillion acres that have never had a, a mine, have never had a drill on them, never will have a drill on them. You could cut that in half, and it wouldn't make any difference to anybody, which is what they did. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can say. You know, you can pop out of your, you know, your your diarrhea mouth and and and, and sound like you're doing something, and you didn't do anything for anybody at all. I mean, the fact is, we're getting more out of the fracking fields than we ever have. North Slope, not so much. We're up to 13-something. His his actual daily policies on oil have been at least as, uh, in, in, in terms of reality... Well, at least, and you and I, I don't want to get, yeah. I don't want to get sidetracked on this. The focus, but I'm saying, the the, 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 what, to be what you what think is think happening... Fine, and you know, shut that down. Yeah, but what, what you... And which one? But I'm saying, you, you, you think these guys are against stuff... Which leads me to believe that the oil companies are really in charge, like I always thought they were. I mean, well, it, it it's like, but, but again, so so thoughtful, moderate public policy based discussion starts to fall apart here in yes. the face of these kinds of pressures. So so what what you do now is you is you look for choke points, pressure points where you can come in with some emotional issue or emotional event. And tie your policy to that emotional event, and 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 you know this is the gun control. This is the gun control crowds oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. technique. You know some some lunatic who should never have had a gun, and if the law had been enforced, the guy never would have. Goes goes crazy, shoots up a shoots up a place. Everybody runs around and says, "Okay, we have to ban these weapons." And and you know a rational a rational analysis would say that's not going to work. That has nothing to do with what how this guy got a gun. It has nothing to do as to why this particular series of events happened, but your voice is going to disappear because in a you'll be inundated by a wave of Instagram uh, posts, TikTok influencers, and and other social media push that's going to drive well, the people who are on that side to a particular well, let's, direction. Let's talk about this a little bit next week because I I, I really do in, in this particular the, the gun situation, Lou, and here's. And I, I'm I'm sort of with well, you. I just use that. I just use that as an example. Okay, pick, what, pick one. Pick well, what I'm saying that that would be an example of nobody's really serious about enforcement. So people who don't really want to be shot, like me, don't trust the laws. They keep they think we need more laws because there is no enforcement. I mean, I, I honestly, it sounds almost like I'm making a joke here, but I'm not. I mean, the the people who write the gun laws, if you've got, you know, you, you have an IQ of 75 and four felonies. Okay, well, let's make the barrier to get a gun an IQ of seventy with five felonies. I mean, that's kind of what's happening. I mean, the 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 idea that there's any any checking on any of these people. Well, you're, you're from the armed forces. Who was the the guy from the uh, armed forces that uh, uh, killed some killed a bunch of people like three four years ago? And it turns oh, out you're talking about the guy up in Maine. It turns out the guy yeah. uh, uh, had all kinds of uh, stuff for beating up his wife and God knows who else while he was oh, in yeah. the army. Oh yeah. And and, and none of those records. Transferred over to the states that are uh, uh, that yeah. are. Oh no, no. I, I mean, well, that was that was the that was the Air Force guy down in uh, down yeah. Texas. Yes, so, no, so, I, 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 I'm with you. I mean, I mean, you know, if you come in 
we think Chicago had this discussion, and I'm going to let Dan talk yeah. here real quick. Chicago had this discussion. Let's lock up the shooters. And everybody said, we don't want to lock up the shooters because it'll have a racially disparate impact. Okay. Well, I'll tell you one of the – actually, the real – I'm going to say what I think is the real reason, and we'll go to Dan, is, as you know, I spend at least one night a week talking to a lot of attorneys in my neighborhood and judges. They, they can't get convictions. The, the police work is terrible. If Nobody will testify. The kid, some kids last weekend, 17 years old, get shot in a hotel near, near North. I, I'm not positive. He, Andrew, check and see if the kid died or not. He, would, he wouldn't give out people who shot him. Yeah. I mean, they, so, you know, one of my guys, my guys, one of my friends, just... Well, well where's, okay, so, Tom, where is, where's the mayor standing up and saying, this is an outrage, I'm calling on people in these neighborhoods He actually has done some of that, and I don't think anybody pays any attention to him. But but he actually has done a lot of that recently, um, uh, to his credit. Uh, but I'm, my my point is, uh, my my friend just represented a guy and after and he, for a murder and he was found. Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned yeah. this last week. And six years, six, six years, years in jail to get the trial, and yeah. uh, to, to make it the trial, and uh, and, and a year and a half to two and a half is normal. So and, and if and if you're if you're only if you're only convicted, that's a separate issue. But but, but if you're only convicting fifteen twenty percent of the people, you can't have everybody in jail for two years that are innocent, or you can't convict them. Yeah. I mean, there's he says if you don't have if you don't have a video or DNA, you're you're not going to convict anybody because after that period of time, the the the, the alleged witnesses either are gone, <laughs> forget, who knows what. But you're not. It's not like a TV. A TV court case. Yeah, I mean, talk to talk to talk to Kim Fox. It's not like exactly you've got attorneys beating down the door to go work for her. Oh yeah. I mean, matter of fact, uh, my buddy, uh, I won't even use his name, two weeks ago was going through a murder case and it, the thing got postponed yet again. I go, how come? He goes, the the, the state's attorney quit that morning. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's not even funny. <laughs> it's, anyway, Lou, you take care of yourself. Uh, don't go skiing in a snow squall. Don't eat yellow snow, all those things, but Roger that. Take care. <laughs> Dan, what do we say we go right to Dan? Dan, how are you, buddy? Thank you for calling I'm in. Doing, I'm doing great. How are you? All right. Jousting with Lou is always good because what I really want to do is extract all the knowledge the man has. And because he really yeah. he really He's is a smart bright, man. And uh I had a real nice time last night in front of Kevin's class. Uh I, I talked about regulation and uh the, our industry and something about antitrust and I went back and I did a lot of research on this antitrust stuff. And have you ever seen anything so much, Dan, that generationally, or every when I say generation, what's a generation? Twenty-five, thirty years. How for a generation, we don't pay any attention to it, and then sort of we do, and then we don't. I mean, the laws are sitting right there, and now we've become a a country. We got all kinds of laws, but people just don't enforce any of them, or they do, or they do enforce them against one person and not another. I mean, it, the more you look into it, the more screwed up everything seems to be. Absolutely, absolutely agree with you, and it, it, it seems to trickle down to, um, you know, a lot of levels, and, and it was something as simple as a recent experience in a gym where there was uh, some people that certainly were, you know, um, not exhibiting gym etiquette, and they seemed to be getting off with, you know, they were being allowed to do that, and it's it's a simple example, but, but um, I, you know, I, I pointed out to the owner, and the owner says, now nah, we're not going to do anything about this. And then my, but my feeling is if, if, if you see somebody doing that, 
it allows other people who are coming in to say, hey, this behavior is okay because nobody is enforcing it or policing right. it. Or, and, it's, and it's the same thing in the, in the world. I mean, it's the same thing. Else. And it's a very difficult, uh, it has been a very difficult uh, challenge for police forces. And, and I don't know why lately I've been thinking about, you know, going back to the defunding the police and just not really ever understanding that whole concept and, you know, seeing how various parts of the country responded to it. And, and you know, and certainly, you know, there has to be some reform. But I know for in Boston, for example, Boston was not in favor of defunding the police. Boston has a fantastic police force and they were, you know, they're in, they, they wanted a reform, but they weren't looking to, you know, just sort of step away from all this and allow, you know, allow these crimes to continue or, you know, to be short staffed and, and not really be there to serve and protect as as they're supposed to. So it, I absolutely agree. There's there's been this sort of uh, lack of policing, lack of of, you know, rules or lack of, of and it, and it, it could and can break chaos. Well, I was uh. There was a uh, article that I think it might have been Luke sent me, and it had to do with some lady was writing about essentially childcare and rules and discipline and things like that, and it was pretty interesting. I mean, every, you know, everybody has their own shtick that they. Yes. What, what did Tom Selleck say on uh, Blue Bloods? Over the age of seventeen, when somebody says four words, you can tell what their agenda is. True. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but it was it had to do with how we've we've kind of we've kind of uh, crept from a. Uh, almost like a, a a male, I won't say dominated, but a a male view of of uh, you know kids acting out or whatever to to something different. I mean, she didn't she didn't say a female view because I, I don't think that's such a thing. We've somehow moved. We've decided that that's wrong. And she said, you know, when you when when everybody was squabbling or doing something as kids, and the old man just said, "Hey, knock it off." Everybody knew exactly what he meant, and you knocked Absolutely. it off. And, and now, now you can't say that to anybody, right? And it, I mean, you can't and, you, you can't walk into a classroom and have it chaos and say, "Hey, knock it off," and everybody know yeah. that you mean it, or whatever. I mean, we're not, you're, not, you're not threatening to, to to punch somebody in the nose. You're not you're not you're just saying, "Hey, knock it off," and, and they know you mean it. And and by the way, people, there, there's a, there's a respect back and forth for for the way things ought to. I don't right. think every I, I don't think every time your dad said, "Knock it off." You thought he was going to come over and clobber you. It had to do with, okay, we're, we're out of line. We get it. <laughs> and, and, yeah, absolutely. That's that absolutely, and and that you know there has been a breakdown there. There's absolutely no question about that. And I and I, I agree with you. I have a friend who is a, a power lifter, a big guy that works at a he's a, a school teacher, and and the, the the school is kind of in a rough part part of town and in, in, in a part of Florida. And they basically there was basically a coup. The the kids were throwing uh, the, the desks over and. You know, they had him tied up, and it was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty scary experience for him. You know, a big guy, like 250 pounds, and strong guy, and he just couldn't control what was going on there. And the school did not, um, as a whole, support him in all this. I mean, there should have been some serious discipline there, and it, it just wasn't uh, taken. So, interesting, Chief. I had written on my my uh, notes for today just to discuss the concept of discipline and why it's so important in our industry. And consistency and discipline are really what make a good investment manager and a good investment strategy. And I think in a, in a kind of maybe I'm taking this. This is a long stretch to make this analogy, but 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 uh, maybe in some ways we've we're seeing it in the investment world where we're not seeing that that you know discipline and that consistency and 
and that's why there's been a lot of volatility. We're seeing, you know, I mentioned before the word impatience to describe the way investors are looking at, you know, investing. And, and you really have to have discipline and you have to stick to your discipline. And one thing about the strategy that you guys follow and, and the strategy that we do as well is we stick to our knitting. We, 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 we don't deviate from what we're doing. And discipline, I think, is something that all athletes know about. It's something that is, you know, it's really what you need to be successful. It's in, in to have consistency and to have, you know, returns and to have rewards. And um, so it's a very sim simple concept, but it, it really, it applies in a very strong way to our, our what we do. Well, Dan, what, uh, how, how do you, when you're dealing with, with clients, I mean, fortunately, I mean, you guys are there to you for uh you know, for for fixed income stuff. So right. you're not going to get necessarily the people who, uh, when, you, when you talk to them at the beginning of the year, they say something like, well, we don't, we'd like to be, even in indexes, which you didn't have to do this 15 years ago. I mean, there was a couple indexes and you got in them and everything kind of <clears throat> traded the same way. But now that's not the case. I mean, um, if, if somebody comes in and has money and they, they say, okay, uh, Tom, let's, uh, I don't know, it looks to me like the Qs are, uh, we had a huge year last year, and the Russell hasn't done it. What do you say we put? I mean, if we're going to pick an index, I'm saying let's do you know 60, 40, 60, or you know whatever it is. We'll do we'll do 60 in the Russell, and we'll do 40 in the S and P because we think the Qs might be there. And all of a sudden, a week later, Nvidia runs up on some earnings. For you know, you get the phone call. How come we're not Nvidia? Well, well, right. You know, it's just it 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 because everybody wants to be other places. And I also think that people generally with their jobs and stuff aren't making enough for their future. If they're, if they're not doing well in, the, in their wealth part, if it's not, the future is in the wealth bubble you have. I mean, yes. no, nobody thinks that five years from now they're going to be making 150 grand a year and, by the way, living comfortably on 100 and putting 50 in the bank every year. That, that ship has sailed it has. So, so dramatically. So the, the only way you're going to be you're gonna, get any kind of wealth is by maybe buying a house at the right spot, fixing it up or something, or, or maybe having two houses or buying a condo somewhere at the right time. I'm not saying now is the right time, but, or you're going to be in, in these stocks. And now the latest is when you see the, I'm going to say the insanity, look at the run up in Bitcoin in the last four days. It's going right. up because it's going up. People, even, people can't even tell you what it is. I, I, I can't. You know, yeah, absolutely. I, and I would never invest in something that I couldn't explain to my no. clients or that I didn't understand myself. I, but I, I hear where you're going with this, and I absolutely agree that there's a, like almost an impatience, but you're right. There is a reason for this impatience, and part of the reason is just, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot going on. We've seen more of a stabilization in wages, but costs have continued to go up. And certainly looking at the consumer, I mean, there was some news yesterday on consumer spending. You know, there, there's there's kind of two sides going on here. There there was a, a read yesterday. You know, one of the numbers came out and showed that there's been a somewhat of a of a salt. You know, like a lightning in consumer spending or or a downturn in consumer spending. Um, Macy's has closed 150 stores. Um, you know, while the retail sector is still relatively strong, consumers are concerned about their future. And um, but there's sort of a tale of two, um, you know, employment or employees, if you will. And there are those who are in the situation that you're discussing, which I think covers the vast majority of people. And there's those that um, interestingly affect two family members that I that just this week got 
not only um, promotions but pay raises. And one of the guys is in you know in my family is 69 years old. He's an engineer, and you know that they they're still having trouble in certain industries finding talent. So they're still having to pay up or provide promotions. The tech industry seems to be providing other benefits. Like it's also providing a boat, boatload of layoffs. Tech oh, and they're having layoffs, right? Yeah. So it's, but but I think the thing I think what's happening is just that we are finally getting into that stabilization mode that we've been out of, where demand for workers and supply workers is coming back into sync, and hopefully this is going to keep a lid on wage inflation as time goes on. And it's it is certainly sector and industry dependent. Um, but but going back to your point about the you know. The concern, the biggest concern, I think, about the consumer continuing to spend is, as we've discussed, you know, credit card debt going up, putting money, you know, um, you know, and, and, and it is sort of the spender versus the saver, right? The, the spender is continue going to continue to spend. It doesn't really matter how high. Well, but de- 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 you have to. Sorry, Robbie, you have to you have to define spend. If if you're going to go out and, uh, you know, your your old your old truck works fine. But that's okay. The ashtrays are full, as they used to say when they had ashtrays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go out and pay eighty grand on a new one because I feel like it, and throw it in my, you know, and, and finance it. Well, there's there's that consumer that wants to spend. Okay, but there's also the guy who all of a sudden had to go to the emergency room last week and now has a six thousand dollar bill for a twenty minute visit. I mean, uh, I mean, it might be a little excessive. Or, I mean, I, I was actually I'm talking about you last week. Um, uh, one of the real estate people that Audrey knows. Uh, anyway, she sells his house. And there's like uh, two chimneys in the place, right? And uh, one, one I think is the furnace, and then there's another one for a fireplace, and there's another whatever. And uh, they sell it. There's the inspection, and oh by the way, the the second chimney, the one that they've never once used in the ten years they've lived there, the guy says, hey, you got a problem with that chimney and the inspection? And then, you know the inside, you need a new. It's not that big of a chimney, you know, a new liner and something, something. You know, I try and keep my finger somewhat in construction so I have some idea of what, when I talk about prices on the yeah, show. Cool. And uh, I'm going to say, okay, that's 2500 bucks, maybe three guys for two days or something. Fifteen grand. Fifteen? Mm. F- f- Wait a minute. That's one five? Mm. What are you talking you're not, you're not building a whole new fancy chimney from the, gr- from the ground up. You're repairing one? <laughs> and yeah. you are fi- I mean, we're, these numbers, and, and how many people... Uh, you know, blue collar people, I use this term, uh, lower middle class, middle class, that have a house in Chicago, they couldn't wait to cheer President Trump's tax thing where he screwed it to the liberals that have all this money where you can't deduct more than uh, $10,000 of your other taxes toward your federal income tax. Well, I'm not saying this person's a Trump guy, he isn't, I don't think, but. He lives in a regular neighborhood here in Chicago. Maybe on a scale of one to ten, it's a six and a half. It's not an eight or nine, but right. it's you know it's but it's pretty nice neighborhood. Uh, last year's tax bill, eleven. This year, twenty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, where exactly he can't even deduct half of that? Plus, if he went out and bought a new car, he's, there's ten thousand dollars tax on that, or, or eight. Not to mention all the rest of the sales tax. Not to mention, God knows what else, your state income tax. Now, all of a sudden, none of that's deductible. Well, we're cheering our own demise yes. with this stuff. Absolutely. Don't, don't, you, don't, don't people that cheered this, oh, it's those, it's those bleeps in Connecticut that you know, have a million-dollar house. No, it isn't. It's you, you idiot. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, look in yeah. the mirror. It's you that you're, that you're voting against. Right. Absolutely. I know. I totally agree with you on that. And then, and then I think the flip side of that too is that although I think people have adjusted to to the higher prices, and we talked about this, that that you know inflation is really a measure of the change um, in price, or think right. of the acceleration and 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 upward price movement. And although, so when you hear that inflation has come down, it doesn't mean that price is still on high, and it certainly doesn't mean that prices aren't still going up. So. So that's why I think the listeners need to pay careful attention. And, and as they do, just looking around as you go grocery shopping or as you go out to the dinner and look at the, the cost of um, you know a, a drink at this one place I was at last week that was $20 just for a cocktail. And, yeah. and you just have to raise your eyes and say, you know, what, you know what, where is this happening? I hope, it was a strong, I hope it was a strong one. You only needed one. You only, you only needed one, yeah. But in this case, I think it only was, it only was one. So... <laughs> But the but the um, but you know looking at that cost side of the equation and for most people who don't really have a, an understanding of basic finance and how things work and and you know people tend to you know spend because they've gotten comfortable spending at a certain level of income really have to you know unless they're wise and and are willing to step back and and you know realize uh, you know as they move into you know the baby boomers move closer to retirement that you're going to have to cut back a certain amount or you're going to have to really look at um, not only what, what your income is but the potential for your your costs um, cost side continuing to go up and it, I don't see that changing anytime soon despite you know the talking heads saying that inflation's come down well you know there's pr- prices are still high you know for the consumer prices are still high so um, what was, what was, the, what was the movie what was the movie that said uh, I actually found it what, don't pee in my shoes and tell me it's raining yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember which one, but I remember the same. Yeah, it was some question. Western. Hey, um, I have a question, and I've gotten several calls from my clients. This is not my strongest area, uh, although we have with Greg and my, my brother are more futures oriented than me, and Tom Shanahan, who used to help us out in the show till he got a job in Western Burbs, is a real. He's a kind of an oil maven. He used to go to all the oil conferences, like you go to the the mid mid sized conferences, and. Uh, Anyway, the question is, since we have uh, natural gas down here basically in the crap all, uh, well, now it's up $0.04 cents today to 184 It was 168 two days ago. Um, if you want to figure out that this is, if, if you think, well, I like 168 as a bottom more than I do 184 but let's, let's say we're still at 168 even though obviously I've missed it since yesterday. How do you, how do you play this? I mean, the, the futures contract is a real big contract, and most people aren't set up for that. Um, we, Our clients through IB can do it, right, if they if they decide they want to do futures. Right. Uh, but still, it's a it's a big contract. I don't know how many firms is it, but, I mean, it's... And we're talking one one lot or two lot for, for, a, for a real investor. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a... What do you call it? It's, it's a commercial-sized contract. Uh, you've got the uh, ETF, which is the uh, UNG, which could be one of the worst things ever all it does is go down because there's no now when i say that uh there's there's a few kinds of etfs like if you get the spider if you get in the uh the gld spider actually state street bank has all those stocks in the vault from everybody who owns the spiders they actually own the stocks so you you actually own your share of the physical same thing with the gld and with the slv 
Now, whether we could do an audit and find out they have every ounce, you know, I'm not, I don't know about that, Dan. You probably have a better opinion on that than me. But let's just say, but now the other stuff, where they're futures-oriented, which, which would be the, the oil and the gas uh, ETFs, they have to do this role in the future every, every three months or whatever it is. And every time they get skunked because the people know it's coming. So it's a constant degrading asset. So no, unless you, which isn't to say that if you bought the UNG today and it was a massive rally in the, in the natural gas, that you wouldn't make money today. But if you held it for six months, the natural gas is the same price, you're going to be down, right? So it's not anything we would ever recommend really to anybody. So now all of a sudden that leaves us with, uh, I mean, Tommy mentioned these particular sh- stocks in the oil patch that are, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, gaseous. Um, right, right. It, it, has, it doesn't mean they're great companies or whatever. Devon, RRC, Southwest Energy, and maybe even the liquid natural gas people at Chenier. LNG to do the right. liquid natural. I don't know. Do you like any of those? I mean, how, I, you know what I like is I like the bonds for those companies. In fact, we owned the we had owned the bonds for Southwestern Energy, and um, they did quite well. And so, if, if if there is if you can pick up some decent yields over the comparable treasury, and you can get eight percent, you know, I think I think that that's a good um, number for a um, for an oil and gas. Uh, corporate bond um, on the equity side I think it's a, a more difficult play it's I don't you know if you're looking at it from a growth point of view we don't necessarily see growth opportunity there but I think we'd see um, I, I think that would be a better fixed income purchase that being said the corporate bond spreads have tightened which means you're not getting paid as much as you were six months ago a year ago two years ago and there's been a trend for because yields are higher now and because they actually I, I was going to mention that they've continued to track higher this past week there's there's definitely that you know stocks versus bonds um, risk return um, question at this point in time and if you're looking at say an energy name that years ago would have been relatively stable and today you're looking at an environment that is actually doing okay and I mean and there's you know it's it's definitely moving along and you know, there's definitely good investments. I think there's probably better places on the equity side to put your money, but I think if you're buying for a, on the fixed income side, that it's a great purchase right now. But how, uh, if you just were, were so, I mean, I, I think that's probably a good idea, I, but if you actually were to say, if you if you were of the feeling, like I said, the rally in the last couple of days, I'm not as anxious to get in here, but when I first started talking to a couple of clients, it was like under 170, which is really low for natural gas. Right. Now, if all of a sudden, uh, you know, I think, I, I'm not Mr. Weather guy, but El Nino is sort of receding a little bit, right? Uh, oh, so, bit. so, so that, But, I mean, by next year, you could make the claim that we're not going to have, you know, the, the, the winter that wasn't like this year, and next year will be a normal winter. Maybe Who knows? It might even be colder than normal where the natural gas price might get back to 290 or 3 bucks. If you want to capture that, I... Like I said, I think I think you almost got to go to the futures, and I, maybe, but like I said, most people don't have a futures account. IRAs certainly don't have a futures account. Right, exactly. it's kind of it's kind of hard yeah, to do, and I, and, I, and I don't trust the ETF. So, I, I guess where does that leave I, me? I absolutely agree with you on that. And getting exposure, you know, in, in order to get exposure to the best that will have the best upside, it's it's tough right now, and 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 for just the reasons that you mentioned, and the one other commodity that I'll throw in there with because we still own silver but silver's kind of be has kind of been dead in the water and some of that has to do with the you know the dollar 
um, you know, the strength of the dollar, and some of it has to do with just, I think we're in this sort of, um, you know, very um, kind of boring period for, for commodities as a whole. There just doesn't seem to be the same upside, the same interest, at, you know, from the investor's point of view. And, you know, I think investors are really looking at the, you know, the tech names for, you know, believe it or not, for stability, which is, I think is a little ironic, but that's where a lot of the money is going right now. There's, you know, the other thing is if you look at, you know, the, the other place that we um, have been focused on, and we're talking about, you know, short-term UST bills, well, over the past week, Chief, we can now get an off-the-run one-month T-bill for 5.9%. Wow. We can get a two-month or a three-month for 5.7%. So they have been quietly tracking up, and, and investors should know that means that it's a good investment. It's, well, you're even, if you, uh, even if your cost to do one of those is like 20 bucks if you do like which is pretty cheap uh i don't know if anybody does that like like we do at pti for our for our, our good clients you know so because my brother has to go to the auction i mean it's you know it's time uh you have to have a you know it has to be a reasonable number uh at 5.3 percent to make money in in a month you can't do it with a yeah. thousand yeah, dollars I mean, we have we we get institutional pricing so we're not paying we don't pay you know the fees we pay are like pennies the way you would be yeah well ours are too i mean 20 bucks on a three hundred thousand bucks is pennies i mean right yeah right no exactly but it's a i would say you know yeah it's short term um play but you know for forward an investor who has money at you know bank of america sitting in a what they think is a high yielding checking account or money market account or savings account you can get close to six percent for the next few months. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Not to mention, you okay. get out of it. You get out of it in a second. Well, you can't with a CD. Yep. It, exactly. It, it, exactly. You can get out of it. And it was one of the one of the um, uh, speakers on uh, we, talking heads on uh, Bloomberg yesterday. Uh, this woman was saying that she had money in CDs, and I thought uh, <laughs> I had a little. I just stopped a little bit, and she did actually catch herself and say, you know, we were in a different environment when I initially invested, but this is not the time to put in, you, I mean, there are much better alternatives than CDs. You don't need to be locking your money away. You can buy one and three month T-bills. And the thing I'll say that's happened just since the beginning of this year that is that has encouraged this strategy and that's gonna make the strategy work for the rest of the year is that we, we came into the year with all these expectations we were gonna have six or seven or eight rate cuts now that consensus chief is down to three rate cuts for the entire year all of a sudden what does that mean at the very short end you're getting paid more yeah. the yield is going up and you don't lose money when the yields go up on the short end you do when yields go up on the long end so think anything less well, than even, a year. If, even if you did you had to suck it up for 30 days for a very short period yeah, of time yeah. right and you're gonna make it back really quickly so so this is still a very good place to have some of your money, especially if you're sitting on, you know, earning nothing in your your um, your uh, savings account or your checking account, and like I said, I'm just using Bank of America as an example because we use them, and you get, I think I get four cents a month. Yeah, um, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's ridiculous. But but you know, Dan, you and I, uh, when we when we talk on the air, we we always really talk as if everybody everybody's the same, and in, in the world, I use the term, the world is your oyster. But when you talk to individual clients, virtually nobody's like that. I mean, I had a couple of people a few weeks ago, uh, actually two people in the same week, called and they're, they're going to be opening up uh, 
you know, pretty interesting accounts, but they have they have uh, a death in the family, and they have this big estate they're dealing with. And uh, and, and I said, okay, you now got to take these accounts, let's move them to where they're all labeled just right, you're doing everything just right for the probate and everything else for the court, and I'm going to say, unless unless there's some stock in there that you're going to try and do the tax, you know, tax... Um, where right. you, get the, you get the new basis, the step-up basis. I think for the next six months to a year, um, the mortal words of my friend Dan Janitas, uh, I think T-bills is the way to go for all these things. You don't want anybody accusing you of doing something improper or chasing Bitcoin or doing something like that. The, Absolutely. The stock, let's, let's protect the stock because you don't want it to sell that because, well, actually, if the person's dead, well, somehow or another it was, it was contrived enough that it wasn't clear whether... They were going to step up basis and all of them. I said, let's let, let's protect the stock, you know, and I can do that. I'm good at that. Uh, if you want to go shorter term on some corporates, but I don't think we have that much time, that's a job for Dan. But in the meantime, I'd say let's just go in the – everybody is not unencumbered. I mean, people every, – everybody has something that you have to deal with. That's why – I mean, it's you know, that's why you and I are are, are so good for people, I think. Because we recognize, right. wait a minute, we're, we're, I'm not going to put you in NVIDIA. What, what if what if you're the, the executor of this estate and you chase some stock and lose money? You're going to be in court. You don't want that. I mean, let's let's do the most proper stuff. Let's protect the stock that you can't sell, and let's put the rest in, you know, like you say, almost 6% on T-bills. Let everybody shoot arrows at you. What, what, how, can you how can you do any better than that? Absolutely, and, and get the, the, the state tax uh, exemption on yeah. that. And going back to what what we both do best, which is sticking to our strategy, you know, going back to what we discussed at the beginning of this call, it is, you know, discipline and consistency of really how you win in the investment world. I mean, that's really how you make money consistently. That's really how you, you know, you have to, regardless of your time frame, you know, unless you want to play with a little bit of, you know, take a little portion of your personal account, um, because you like think, watching things go up and down, but but people like you you and me, Chief, would rather th- see things remain stable with with upside and with low risk. And uh, you know, this is a great time to continue to be in the strategy. Go these strategies going forward in this sort of uh, very unpredictable political environment over the next year. And even though I'm not, we're not predicting any any. Um, you know, major sell-off in, in, in the economy or in the markets, the financial markets, you know, a lot of people can't st- stomach the day-to-day stuff. So why not sit in a strategy that's going to give you consistently good yield with virtually no risk? Because if a stock goes up and you're not in it, you're losing money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's always there's always a friend at a, you know, at a, yeah, a I know cocktail again. party that's yeah. going to tell you about their friend and it's... And a lot of times it's a doctor's talking about a, a hot tip that he oh, got yeah. from a patient or something. And it just, you know, but the, the truth is that, you know, the vast amount of your money needs to be protected. And certainly part of it can be, you know, depending on your risk parameters and your time horizon, certainly some of it can be put into the market. But but that's, you know, we got a, a, a dash here, Dan. Um, we'll have we'll have you uh, tomorrow as well. But we got a, a dash here. One question. We got a, Mr. Mike Murphy going to help us out with some of the uh, stuff we were talking about earlier with Lou. Um, this is going to be there's oh, I can't predict it the next seven months have chances of being between the the state of margin loans between where the market is you name it 
There's there's all kinds of little landmines that you know yes. people could stand on. The VIX I've got it uh, is, is is not very high at thirteen seventy one. I've got some clients now who are saying, should we should we be talking about an August or September VIX spread? You know, the the twenty thirty or the fifty something. I don't know. I, I mean, I my my instinct is that somewhere along the line here, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a spike if we run the market down at all. Uh, what do you think? I mean, it's kind of an odd product with the I futures. Absolutely, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think as we get close, closer to November, there, we're definitely going to see more volatility and and uncertainty. And as people start paying more attention and see, you know, in each individual is going is to make their own assessment of how whichever new administration that comes in is going to first impact their 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 wallet or their pocketbook. They're going to they, that's where what they're going to be thinking about the most, and they're going to have concerns based on you know, the day-to-day news that they hear. And I do think that volatility is going to pick up. So I do think, you know, that spread would be a, a wise move. But it's such um, a comp- – let's talk about tomorrow. It's such a complicated product with the futures. I mean, yes. sometimes if you if you think – and we'll talk about this tomorrow. It is real detailed. You could go out to get the fifteen twenty-two spread, say, in August and find out that the future in August is already two points higher than it is now. Right. It's, so you're it's not, higher, right. So you're Absolutely. not – you're not gaining anything by doing that. Yep. But let's talk about that tomorrow. But thank you uh, for filling in. SP Futures yep. down 13. The Futures down 71. Uh, real quick, real quick break, and then we're going to go to Mr. Mike Murphy. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Blowing up by stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 1275. NASDAQ Futures down 6875. Dow Futures down 99. Individual stocks, the Dow, I don't really have anything down all that much. Uh, uh, we've got uh, well, actually, we got United Healthcare down almost seven bucks. It's it's a five hundred dollar stock, and it's a you know it's a it's a price weight index, so it, it tends to do that with these things. But uh, we, we're down a little bit today. We seem to be in, the rush to the upside seems to have abated here a little bit. Uh, I don't know if we're just gaining steam here or what. Bitcoin has jumped above sixty thousand for the first time, so that's going to save us all, evidently. Uh, over in Europe. Well, DAX up 45.2%, FTSE down 55.7%, Kakaron unchanged. So there's there's a spread. Over in Asia, Nikkei down 31, call that flat. Hang Seng down 253, 1.5%. Yesterday it looked like they were going to make it over 17,000. Now they're heading the other way. Uh, Shanghai down 57, it's almost 2%. Um, there was a budget announcement by the Chinese government that uh, 
did not go well with the market. So, so much for popping up the market. Their budget stuff wasn't so good. Yesterday, kind of mixed bag. Dow Jones down 96, S&P up 8, NASDAQ up 59. So, really quiet day yesterday. Bonds down 4 basis points, 4.27. The Bund down 2, 2.43. Japan unchanged at 0.70. We've got oil down 20 cents, 78.67. Brent down 11 cents, 83.54. Natural gas up 4 cents, 184. Like I said, it... Uh, yesterday or the day before it was like 168 so it's come back from that sum like I said there's some interest in some of my clients and maybe getting involved here but it's really hard to do uh, again we talked about that with Dan uh, US dollar um, unchanged pretty much against the euro 108 against the British pound 126.5 dollar maybe a little stronger but not very much uh, gold down a buck 2043 quiet in the gold patch silver down 13 cents 22.62 copper down a penny 381 like I said bitcoin 3,560,542. It's going up. we got to buy it. Momentum, momentum, momentum. Uh, what do you have for us, Trevi? Weather Sports, quick. All right. It is uh, 7.37 here in Chicago on Wednesday, February 28th. Starting off with just a little bit of sports. We have some losses. The Bulls lost against the Pistons, 105-95. And the... Or excuse me, no, I thought we had a Blackhawks game today, uh, but it looks like we don't. Yeah, the Bulls lost their Pistons, our worst, worst team in basketball. <laughs> so not a good one this week. Uh, but, well, that's it for sports. Moving over to Chicago weather. It's currently 27 degrees. It's going to be a very cold one today. A very light chance of a little bit of snow, but that's not really going to stick. We're going to have a high of 32. Over in Phoenix, they had things a lot warmer. They're at 53 degrees. They got mostly clear skies. They're going to have a high of 77 today with some clouds and just a little bit of sun breaking through. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, things are pretty heavy in the red today if you're on the inbound expressways. Uh, if you're on the outbound, you'll really only have to worry about the outbound Kennedy and the Eisenhower. We do have two accidents to report on the outbound Kennedy. This is at uh, Ogden Avenue. An accident was just reported moments ago. Uh, so we'll see if we haven't seen just yet if that's going to have some lasting effects. Uh, but over on Lakeshore Drive, uh, the two right lanes are blocked going north. Uh, let's see, right before uh, right before Lakeshore Drive. That part's confusing me. But uh, and this is I, I turn back if I were you if you're on Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> yep. So that's all I got. So do we have the professor, Mr. Mike Murphy? Good morning, Tom. How are you today? Um, all right. Did uh, I don't suppose you uh, watched the Bulls game last night. Um, no, I, I wouldn't watch the Bulls if you paid me. Um, how much? <laughs> There's some number which I think you probably would do it. I'm just, just saying. But Mike and I have played many, many basketball games together. Uh, I watched the game last night before I dozed and because uh, it was awful. Uh, I think they had the lowest percentage of three-point shots, the Bulls, since the history of the three-point line last night, or if that was a second, they were like two of twenty-nine or some. Some, you know, why don't you see what that number is? I don't want to exaggerate it too much. Just put Bulls three-point percentage last night; it, it'll come right up because it's, it's an outlier. I mean, I, I know these people; these people have the mentality that at that level, even if it, if it's an off night, you got to keep shooting. You know what, Mike? <laughs> if you if you don't have it that night start to get some assists, drive to the basket, do something different. You can't just keep shooting and sitting there. Right. No, you're right about that, Tom. I mean, the other day UVA played, I forget what team it was. I think it might have been, it wasn't Virginia Tech, it was somebody else, but uh, they were 0 for 11 from the foul line. Now, how can you think you're going to be an NCAA competitive team and be 0 for 11? 
you know that's that was really bad i don't think you and i even now would be that no no i don't it take me a little bit but i'm sure i could make five of ten i hope yeah know, we'll we'd see. uh yeah i mean some of these guys these three point shots it's like they couldn't find their ass with both hands or air balls then the next time down you, you wing it up again i'm like it's not your night, man. I mean, what, what are you doing? Looks like the uh, number I got here is 35.6. Is what? Is there a percentage? Yeah, the 3. Uh, that's their year, year long. I'm talking about last night. If you can find it. So, Mike, what did you what you make of the discussion with uh, um, Lou? I mean, it seems like again, it's the same picture. The guys with the guns in the air, with the beard, with the turban, and the, the suit, standing in the back of the Toyota pickup truck. If the same guys is going from Syria over to Yemen, I mean, do they just circulate around? They look like they're the same people. Or am I just being... No, it's just the, you know, their mode of transportation is the same, you know, and they usually mount some sort of a machine gun in the in the back of the, uh, the small truck, you know. They're usually the Japanese Hilux trucks, you know, because those have been, whether they've been donated or not, that's what we used to see in... Uh, you know, in Africa, so there's a lot of the a lot of Toyotas. Yes, a lot of Toyotas. You're right about that. It's not it's not exactly a Chevy commercial, is it? I mean, they're all Toyotas. No, well, the it, I went to uh, Uganda s- several years ago. I was still uh, it was actually where was I living then? I was living in Heidelberg, uh, and we. Uh, that's all that we saw there were old Toyotas that the Japanese allowed to obsolesce and then they sell them to Africans or somebody and then they end up uh, spewing exhaust in whatever African country we were in at the time. We went to uh, Nigeria, Uganda, Rwanda and all of them had these uh, the old Japanese vehicles that uh, that they were just using, you know, that somebody had got for them. So we're not talking about maintaining our catalytic converter? No, not at all. <laughs> um, not, definitely not. I just, you know, I, I know Lou and, and you to a certain extent you know, blame a lot of uh, what's going on by by uh, the Biden group's mis- misjudging of where, what they could do with Iran. And, and to be a certain extent, I blame a lot of... Uh, North Korea's stuff and Trump misjudging, but I think I would have done the same thing, Mike. I mean, you, you make an overture and all of a sudden you find out this ain't going anywhere, and you. I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of reminiscent. You're probably you and Lou are probably the only two people who know what the hell I'm talking about, but everybody knows that George Marshall was uh, hugely instrumental in us winning World War Two. Um, I don't think we could have done it. With the same amount of people, it would have been a lot more people killed and wounded if he wasn't there. I honestly, believe. we still would have won without him, I think. But uh, just a mastermind of logistics and strategy and knowing people, and also the Marshall Plan in Europe, which you, having lived there for a while, probably know way more about than me. However, there was a year or two in the middle that, unless you read his book, you, nobody knows about. Well, you probably do. When he 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 left as soon as the war was over, he was a, he was retirement age. Gets in his car, him and his wife drive home. I think they live somewhere in Virginia, Mike. I mean, I don't know if it's close to you or what. Yeah, they were in, uh, well, his, uh, he was at VMI. Yeah. uh, And uh, actually, they have a Marshall Center there for 
to uh, to hold his papers and all of that. Yeah, but he was not a West Pointer. He was a VMI guy. Right. That's exactly right. But anyway, he, he literally was driving into the driveway at, at home, and the phone was ringing. I think it was Truman. Hey, hey you got to get back here. Uh, I got a job for you over in China. And him and his wife went to China, I'm going to say a year, Mike? Was it more than a year? His job, and meanwhile, Morgenthau was in charge of Europe, right, and pretty much screwing it all up, uh, trying to, you know, with the, after the war. Because well, in Europe was a balance dis- of power thing and all that. Yeah, but he, but he, he was, there was, we actually had a lady, Mike, we should, I should try and find this interview. Uh, maybe Andrew or somebody can find it. We had a lady when we first started the show who was, she was 20 some years old. She was part of Marshall's team in Europe. She was, I mean, she was like 90 when she was doing the show. We barely understand her, but talk about a nice, bright lady. And I said, well, you know, everybody seems to think that this all happened miraculously. She goes, oh, no. Every town we went in, no food, no water, people fighting in the streets, riots. Every town was a challenge to try and get it back. Anyway, so the idea that this stuff miraculously happened, the Marshall Plan, all of a sudden Germany's fine again, it, it took a while. But anyway, they sent no, him over took to... a long time. Yeah. Remember yeah. they sent him over and, to... And this is a little tidbit for you, Tom, that uh, Gene always brings up. Uh, is the Brits got more money from the Marshall Plan than the Germans did. And the Brits kind of wasted it, so... That's... Well, there's always... What they say in Casablanca? There's always incidental expenses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so but Marshall ends up... Truman sends him over to China to negotiate a peace between Mao and Chiang Kai-shek. And he was there for, and one side's killing a bunch of people, then the other side's killing a bunch of people. Finally, I mean, here's a guy who was used to solving problems. He basically wrote a letter back to Truman and said, "I, I can't, I, I can't deal with these guys. I mean, they're they're impossible to deal with. You can't believe a word they say. They hate the other guy so much that you, I might as well not be here." So Truman brought him back and put him in charge of Europe. But it's almost the same thing. I don't know, Mike, you're, you're pretty good at talking to people. I don't know that I could send you to Iran or North Korea and come back with a solution or China. I don't think they want a solution. They like it the way it is. I mean, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't fault anybody for trying. I mean, we ended up with SALT 1 and SALT 2 while we were hating for the Russians. And, uh, but, but at least we found you know, one or two things we could agree on. We kept nuclear weapons out of space, right? We made that treaty. And uh, so it's not like it's impossible, but I'm I'm dying to find out, and I never will. Maybe you could describe it, but I know the Iranians are the bad guys, and I know it probably at the time, even though it was their money and not ours, the timing probably wasn't terrific to give cash to these people. But I also know we couldn't write them a check because they weren't in a SWIFT program. So I don't know what you can do other than give them cash if you wanted to give them their money back. And then again, you could say, was it really their money when it was? The Shah's money and not these guys. I mean, is it? I mean, uh, most other countries. I mean, Mexicans don't don't pay off on their Santa Ana bonds, right? They, those are worthless. Uh, or you know, any of those bearer bonds in those eras. So the idea that we owed them the money, you could have debated that. But I'm still anxious to figure out how exactly Iran pays these guys in Yemen. I mean, is, do they sneak some? Some two-man submarine down there with a valise full of hundred-dollar bills. I mean, somehow, somehow, we we must know how this money's being transferred. And there's got to be somebody in the in the middle there that's maybe American or something. It, it's just confusing to me how with all the, the the sanctions we have on these people, it's almost they're acting like there aren't any. 
I mean, what's wrong here? Am I, or am I just have too much respect for the system? Well, I think to some degree you might have too much respect for the system, and I think a lot of what's how they get paid is in weapons, for instance. You know, the Hezbollah has been receiving weapons for years. We used to monitor the transshipment point, and that's how they, I'm sure that's how they got their weapons into uh, Hamas and the you know, and well, plus you've got the Palestinian Authority that was crooked as all get out, still is. And, uh, but the Palestinian Authority is not the same as Hamas. And then, you know, the Houthis have been fighting that battle against really Saudi Arabia and the government in Yemen for quite a while. So, but, but there's Mike, a, they, have no, they have no food, they have no water. How the hell do they, how do they get bullets? Well, they're, somehow they survive, so who knows? I mean, it just—it seems like a, 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 you know, if you if you can't, you can't house your family, you can't eat, and somehow every morning you, you wake up to a new box of bullets and you head out in your Toyota and hold the thing over your head and praise praise God and down to the Westerners. I mean, but what do you? It seems odd to me. It's not our personality, obviously. Like Lou says, I keep trying to put myself in these other people. It's just not going to work. I mean, yeah, I mean, they are not rational actors. That's for sure. It, it seems like they're the same group that was in Syria. I mean, same. I mean, it looks like they're all they're all inbred or something. That's a horrible thing to say. I mean, I, you know. Well, a lot of it has to do still with the Shia Sunni divide. I mean, uh, I I'm pretty sure that the the um, Houthis are um, Shia versus uh, and. They oppose their government and they oppose the Saudis, and the Saudis are primarily Sunni. So, you know, it, it, there's still a racial, uh, not a racial, a religious aspect to this conflict that probably pervades the Middle East. It, you know, and I've talked about the Shia Crescent before, but, you know, you've got the Iranians and then you have the Hezbollah. And then you have Hamas. All of well, Hamas is not Sunni or is not Shia, so that, that doesn't. Uh, but the Houthis definitely are. The Iranians definitely are, and Lebanese Hezbollah is also Shia. So, so this is like the 1600s Catholic and the Presidents on steroids, basically. Yeah, I think that's a, a somewhat uh, viable comparison. Yes. Oh, but they didn't have machine guns in the 1600s. No, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't want people you get knocked down with your sword. Um, Machine guns and and nuclear weapons too. Well, how do you how do you from a military standpoint and uh, and what you know over the political side with uh, how how exactly even if and I think um, Lou's probably right that the, some of the European countries aren't spending their agreed upon share of their national. Uh, economy and military but the stuff i've read in the last five years mike it's it's coming up pretty fast and only and only it's not coming up that fast tom and you know the germans have been negligent for years and you know lou talked about it you know their limited number of fighter aircraft and all that and the brits have been cutting well and and now uh, okay I, I forget where i saw it on the news yesterday but uh, the army didn't meet their our army, the U.S. Army didn't meet their recruitment goals. So now they have said, okay, we're cutting the numbers of troops. So 
we're going to end up very soon with a hollow army. And I think we already kind of have it. And it's not going to be good. This is what uh, precipitated the Korean War. You know, Gordon Sullivan, who was chief of staff of the army at one time, he said there would be no more Task Force Smiths. And, And what Task Force Smith was, was a essentially a hollow uh, force, I believe it was in Korea, and they were supposed to fight, and they, they just didn't have the wherewithal to, to fight adequately, and now we're getting into that aspect because of the cuts to the defense budget. Now, some of that uh, could be, uh, you know, some of it may be uh, over uh, overcompensated, but you know, you need troops to fight a ground war. And if we do anything with the Chinese, I would assume it would be, well, it'll start in the oceans and then it'll go to some sort of a ground war. So, and and for all that matters, they could be infiltrating uh, the United States via the southern border right now because there's supposedly uh, a great many Chinese, um, you know. What, what do they need the southern that, border for? They're, they're in every university. Well, that's true too. But the the ones in the university, who knows what uh, they'll end up doing there. They're all they're That'll all be, they're all being watched, supposedly. Oh yeah, you can't watch all of that stuff. I well, I mean, let's be realistic about that. I think if uh, from from what we've talked about on the show before, and I don't know how they do it. Well, uh, I mean, if if they're going to pay for some kid to come over here to go to the University of Illinois, uh, the kid better not be anti-China. No, that you're exactly right. But here, I guess, like, okay, how rapidly? Anyway, the article I read said that there's now seven of the countries over there that are over the two percent, uh, and some of the other ones that the the, the total amount uh, in the last five years that the spending is up, you know, a lot com- compared to the horrible spot it was. And I'm, I'm right. Okay. So now, all right there. Should it be better? Yeah, it should be better. Uh, and like Lou says, the countries that are closest to uh, Russia are the ones that are, are kicking up. I mean, Sweden joined Yeah, I'll NATO. bet you the Poles are kicking up a lot and uh, the Baltic states, you know, Lithuania, Latvia, and Well, Sweden, Sweden joined NATO, so obviously they're not they, – they must be thinking they're in some kind of risk. So, uh, Well, Sweden – well, actually, I think Finland's also in NATO now, and uh, – they're the ones closest to Russia, yeah. so they definitely feel the uh, the pain. So. But I, the uh, these bunch of little f- flare fights around, it's really hard for people. I mean, hard for anybody to. These guys are basically a pain in the ass in the Red Sea. Now, but it costs a lot of dough to deal with it. And now, if all of a sudden uh, the Chinese start messing around somewhere, obviously the thing in Ukraine. I mean, it's even though I I, I agree with you guys that. The, the corruption that was in Ukraine, uh, you know, uh, was bad. And then this guy got in somehow with our help. And I'm not, and he's no saint uh, by, by any stretch. Uh, yet, you know, the Russians seem like as long as Putin's around, he thinks the world is his. Uh, it, you know, it, it's, this, these are really odd times. And we need some really strong, intelligent leadership. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if anybody wants that person to get to the top because they might turn in. And I trust they might turn on other stuff. We we can't we don't seem to be able. How can I put it simply? Lincoln doesn't get voted in today. 
He doesn't make it through the state senate today, does he? No, I I think the the way of moderation is gone when John McCain died or whatever. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, and and then you have the the that whatever it is, the gang of eight in the in the house that's kind of driving the agenda for Johnson. Uh, and I don't particularly like those guys. I mean, they they don't want to fund the government. Now we're we're talking about another possible government shutdown. You know, how many times are we going to go through this? And you know, and I know I've said it before here, but we need people in Congress that will actually govern. And no one seems to want to govern anymore. They want to to polarize the nation. Well, I my my summary of that, Mike, and I I'm certainly with you on the fact that. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, to have this, you know, this, this shutdown thing. But I, I do understand where it's coming from, because people on both sides pass bills that that they uh, the effect monetarily is total bull bleep, and they and they and they run through the congressional budget office, which is supposed to be, you know, uh, uh, impervious to to any kind of politics, which is another thing of bull bleep. So you have your your Trump tax cut plan, uh, which went through with the with the promise that, oh, by the way, it's actually going to be accretive over the next 10 years. Yeah, right. I'm going to be a jockey in the fifth race today, too. That ain't happening. Accretive, a tax cut? I mean, we're not talking about, you know, Kennedy going from 90 to 70% or Dutch going from 70 to 50, going from 35 to 21 doesn't do anything decision-wise because I've done those kinds of decision things. All it does is mean you pay less, okay, when everybody else is paying more. So then this guy comes up with some kind of infrastructure plan that says everybody's going to be 5G. They're all going to have a job making twice as much as they do now, and it's going to be accretive. No, it's not. So you vote for these bills, and you're right, Mike. They voted for them, and now the budget deficit is bigger than it was, they are the ones that voted for him. Why are why are they taking this opportunity for a look back? Well, I think the, the opportunity for a look back, and, I, and I'm with you. I don't agree with it, but the numbers are not panning out the way they either lied to people about or were told. So now they're saying, wait a minute. I might have voted for these two bills, but I didn't vote for a trillion dollar deficit, guys. Somehow or another, this isn't adding up the way we were told. So I, I understand where they're kind of coming from. It doesn't make it right, but. You understand where I'm where I'm coming from with this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've said it a million times: figures lie, and liars figure. So, I mean, the way that the budget works is they just say, "Oh, in ten years, it's going to balance out." Well, that's uh, baloney. Yeah, you know, it never balances out. We keep going further and further into debt. Well, and you and, also have last year. How many people on really both sides? Because a lot of your people on TV, even though they the press is supposed to be, uh, you know, everybody says the press is all liberal. Well, CNBC all day, all they do is have a bunch of people on there from Jamie Dimon on down, and he's a little bit not quite there, but everybody keeps telling you how great the economy is, how it's absolutely spectacular. You look at the, I believe, the tax receipts from the federal government in fiscal year 2023, which ended in October. The re- I'm not talking about deficit. I'm talking about the receipts were lower than the year before. Well, right. if, I, if everything's uh, going good, how the hell are the receipts... Last time I checked, every time you get a paycheck, they take your tax. How the hell can the receipts be less if ever if everything's growing? I mean, you yeah, and I. And we, why yeah. is the price of a car doubled over the last five well, yeah. years or whatever it is? And the price of gas remains high. And, you know, groceries. It's 
you know, they just keep blatantly lying to us, but yet people, you know, accept that. And whether they, uh, I think they reluctantly accept that. So who knows? And if we ever were to get a Solomon or a, a Washington or a Roosevelt, they'd, they'd have, like I said earlier, they'd have that guy sleeping with every woman he made have wanted to, but never came close to. Right. <laughs> Absolutely destroyed. I, mean, I, I think, Mike, one of the most talented people in our generation, uh, no, not, you know, I'm not looking for perfection because nobody has that. I mean, look look at how how bad people torpedoed Elliot Spitzer. By far, this the, the the he was he could have been the Roosevelt of our generation in the sense that he knew where all the bones were buried. He came from that group of people that knew just how the how the the bad game is played, and he didn't want to do it. I'm not saying he was perfect, but I mean, look, they ended up tapping the guy's line to find something bad on him. Well, he definitely wasn't perfect. Yeah, so. I get it. But I'm saying, you, you, do you think the people who, who couldn't wait to get him removed actually cared about him going to see a hooker? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, that's a tough question. I guess they just wanted him out of uh, where yeah. he could affect things. So. Yeah. I mean, people in, the, in our industry hated him because he went after it's, – it's an interesting world. It, it kind of zings into this Trump factor. Uh in, in my industry, Mike, everybody loved the idea that everybody was an entrepreneur. You know, and there were regulations, but people were adamant about the game was going to be straight because if it wasn't, we would all lose our livelihood. So it wasn't like people were perfect or anything like that, but every trade was sacred because if it wasn't, you'd lose the whole industry. And uh, every, everybody in the trading floor, if you're an equity crowd, we'll go over here a little bit, uh, if you're in a trading crowd, a significant percentage of the stock traded in the New York Stock Exchange was traded from the CBOE floor. So if somebody came in, and I'm in the Exxon pit, say, and you decided you wanted to buy 100 at the money calls that are, what, 50 delta, and I'll go into that tomorrow maybe, I, I need to have 5,000 shares of stock to be neutral. So I'm not in the business of, of uh, taking insurance on your side. I'm trying to be neutral here. So the first thing I do when I sell you these 100 calls is I go just pick up the phone and buy or tell my stock clerk, I want to go buy 5,000 shares in New York. Well, everybody in the CBOE floor knew there were crooked specialists. There was nothing up there, and all of a sudden there was, or there was an offer, he went to get it, and he pulled it ahead of you. Not all, but some guys were, were flat-ass crooked. And uh, no discipline whatsoever from the New York, right, because these guys were online people have been there 100 years. Elliot Spitzer took on the New York Stock Exchange over the head of the SEC. Everybody hated him for that. Even though the same people here would, would, would rag all day long about that specialist being a crook, the idea that somebody from the outside would invade the industry, uh, he had no business doing that. Well, yeah, he did, I think. I mean, because the New York Stock Exchange didn't do it. The SEC didn't do right. it. So, right. But he did, and all of a sudden, he gets his... And so we're sitting at the... You were never up where the Buckingham had the bar. It was all the tra- traders were hanging up in there. It's a club bar. So one, the night he gets arrested, everybody's happy. And I said, you know, the dude, they, they taped his line. Yeah, so what? He's a bleephole. Uh, all right, so what, what about you guys? And there's five guys, and they're friends of mine. So I could, you know, I, as you know, I could be direct. I said, take you guys. You're, you're big swinging bleeps, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> if you go to the bank and you have some guy paint your house and he wants to get paid cash, you pull out nine grand and pay him. Well, yeah. I said, no, you're going to pull out another three grand at Christmas, 
because you're going to give hundred dollars all the trade checkers, which you're not supposed to, but everybody did. Well, yeah. And of course, if you're going to Vegas, a guy like you can't go with less than ten grand, right? Well, no. So okay, you just pulled out twenty-two thousand in cash in the last two months. Now, should your phone be taped? Well, hell no. Well, they did that to him. Really? Yeah, but it could have been you. Well, no, it couldn't have been. Why not? Because, I mean, you got to be careful what you wish for, right, Mike? What do you do with other people if it ever comes back to you? You don't want it necessarily, do you? No, that's true. Very true. Now, a guy like you probably is 15 grand when you go to Vegas. No. <laughs> anyway, Mike, uh, so what, how, how exactly is this, is this going to end in the Red Sea? I mean, are we going to, are we going to be able to squash these guys or without doing something nasty to Iran, without it accelerating or what? Uh, that I really don't know, Tom. I think it, and that was news to me, what Lou talked about with the the uh, cables in the Red Sea being cut. I'm going to have to look for that. Today. Yeah, let's let's talk about that, because uh, with a couple guys being out of, out of the country, we'll have you back here soon. Thank you very much. Good stuff as usual. Always nice talking to you. Now, would you have stopped shooting threes after you missed six? Yes, I would have, Tom. Maybe o- only because the rest of us have been throwing the ball at you, or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wouldn't. Have, you would have quit throwing it to me. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> SP futures down fifteen. Nasdaq futures down eighty-seven. Andrew, nice job. Uh, talk to everybody tomorrow. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. That's all, folks. (laughs) 